0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Health Matters. I'm your host, Laura Kopek, and today I invite you to listen to a seminar we hosted on how to boost your metabolism. We wound up going into a variety of subjects, including Alzheimer's and the systemic ways that metabolism can affect your overall health. Enjoy. Remember, this episode is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice. You know, we definitely were going to talk about Um, metabolism and weight loss. It's always a New Year's goal for people. Um, But if there's more specific things you want to talk about, then, I mean, you have this great opportunity to have us at your beck and call here. Um, I think we'll just cover our main points, which often I like to leave these things with the misconceptions that, you know, the confusion that people have. And so Heather can weigh in, but uh, I think that there needs to be a conversation around the difference between clean eating and metabolic eating. So I think a lot of people find that they are um, eating clean and wonder why they plateau or wonder why they uh, aren't losing weight. And... It's very different because clean, you can reduce some of the inflammation, which may account for some of the weight gain in the beginning, Um, but everyone will plateau if they're just eating clean and not eating metabolically. And Mm -hmm. so that's one of the things that we'll talk about. And then the second big misconception I find is people either are only looking at what they eat or when they eat and not both. So in order to achieve metabolic goals, you need to look at what you're eating and when you're eating. That will give you the most sustainable long-term progress, um, but going in one area versus another um, causes a real problem. And then probably the third piece is looking at like what might be hindering that, whether that be some kind of imbalance in your digestive system um, or an imbalance hormonally. So making sure that you're looking at a big picture of the imbalances. So I'd say those three things kind of become the areas where people make the most amount of mistakes. And so, you know, we'll dive into those, those three areas, mostly the first two, um, and talk about probably the different options that are available, to you for weight loss, whether you seek them out long distance or whether you do them through us. So those are the things that I find that people make errors on and the things I'd like to talk about. And again, if you have questions, we'll we'll turn it to you guys too for specifics. So, Heather is a wonderful nurse practitioner and um, we collaborate often on health goals for people. Looking at both from a functional and diagnostic perspective, looking at a variety of different um, strategies uh, uh, and and really kind of help people achieve their goals. Because having the broader, bigger picture, the most amount of information is really helpful. So, Heather, what do you find happens metabolically or in weight loss that people might be either
1: not aware of or making mistakes on?
0: I know we'll probably agree on many things, but
1: (laughs) yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure we agree on most of this. Um, The things I see most often are snacking, eating too frequently, um, not doing muscle work or resistance training, and um, just having too high a proportion of carbs, even though, even if they're good quality carbs, with our lifestyle in America, we just cannot uh, burn that many, as many carbs as we traditionally are eating. Um, Because we're mostly sitting at desks or whatever, our lifestyles are not active like other parts of the world where they have to walk and work physically to get food or make food clean, whatever. So those are the two main things I see, but definitely, as Laura mentioned, checking um, hormones and insulin levels will be very beneficial to find things that are in our way.
0: And Heather does such a great job of always
1: reminding all of us of
0: the exercise piece to it. Um, I often spend so much time on the food piece that that I'm not in conversation as much about the movement piece. One of the things I say to people is you're not active enough to justify all those carbs. Right? But sometimes with a level of inflammation, people aren't able to get to the place of exercise where they need to be. But m- movement is is the greatest place to start, you know, and and movement is is hugely important. So even if, you know, you can only do a little bit of resistance training, uh, you know, cardiovascular is, is really important. And Heather can speak to that. Uh, I love how she talks about insulin and exercise. Um, the snacking piece... The when we eat is hugely important. Um, Intermittent fasting is such a common term. It's thrown out there. It's often misunderstood. Um, People think that they're only intermittent fasting if if they're without eating during the day. And that is a form of intermittent fasting. But we're all intermittent fasting when we sleep. So we all do it. The body's hardwired to do it. When we release melatonin, somewhere around 9, 930, which is that sleep hormone, it suppresses insulin production. So we are not meant to eat in the darkness. Like our bodies are not wired to do that. And so um, taking those eight hours and expanding them into 12 hours, 14 hours is really important to give our body more time to just deal with inflammation, toxins, things that we're absorbing into our body, even if we're not eating them. Um, and so it's the downtime. It's the recovery, even in exercise and sports nutrition, recovery is such a fundamental part of the conversation now. So, um, and not snacking, like allowing your body to digest the meal and not anything else, not the layering, like give yourself a chance to, um, To even get hungry. And some people are like, well, I'm hungry. If you've trained your stomach to eat, it's going to let you, it's going to signal you that you need to eat and it's going to take a few days to make that adjustment, but don't let your stomach be your brain. That's the thing I I tell people all the time. Who says you have to eat just because your stomach says you have to eat. Um, Most of the time we've trained our stomach to respond
1: accordingly. Or sometimes your body's telling you that because you haven't gotten the nutrients you need. Because if our food's not nutrient dense enough, then it's asking, well, I still didn't get enough, whatever nutrient I eat more. And that's the answer is not eating more, but eating better,
0: eating better. And that's in the, what we eat too, right? I, I, my kids used to, we used to, if we go on vacation and stay at a family and they were eating things that we didn't normally eat, they were insatiably all hungry all the time. I was like, I don't understand. For a while, I didn't understand. Like, why are you hungry all the time? But they were so used to getting nutrient dense foods. And that is the thing too, when I'm working with people, um, Heather may see this too, is that if people are on some kind of elimination on some kind of diet and they're saying that they're hungry there's i'm always like are you getting enough protein are you getting enough healthy fats are you getting enough color foods so those polyphenols those antioxidants all that nutrition density because we if if nutritionally dense enough we actually need very little food especially as we get older and our metabolism slows down (laughs) yes uh we want to make the most of the calories we do eat right because it's um when the body's not developing, it's not rejuvenate. It's not in that place of like, where it's gonna need all that energy all from carbohydrates and, and extra calories. We're just, we're no longer developing. We're no longer, if anything, things are slowing down. And, you know, we want to, um, it's not just, oh, I can't eat the way I ate in my twenties. Sh- we shouldn't eat the way we ate before. We need to ha- handle every decade differently and go, okay, this is the new decade. This is the new me. This is how do I support myself, diet, and lifestyle with that? Um, so, that when is hugely important. A-, a lot of people, depending on their inflammation, can't get away with just 12 hours of not eating and see results. A lot of times, people have to do. 14 or 16 to really start to see results. Again, taking the eight hours of sleep and expanding upon that is,
2: is hugely important.
0: If you don't eat, yes, go ahead.
2: Um, so on the note of, and I, I think I might've heard this from you before. So 12 hour fasting is like your base. Is that Kind of what you're saying.
0: Correct. Like we all need 12 hours. Like even kids need 12 hours. So, you know, even like a child that might have an eight o'clock bedtime, right? Mm-hmm. And, and they're even, I mean, kids are, should be sleeping for 12 hours, mm-hmm. right? It's, yeah. If infants and toddlers are sleeping longer, but kids should be sleeping that amount of time anyway. And they shouldn't be like eating right before they go to bed <laughs> and waking up and eating. So, even kids should be, you know, kids have a minimum of 10 is like the minimum hours. They should be getting more than than eight hours. Um, they say that once you go to 12 years old, you can drop down a little bit in sleep, but I find that teenagers because their body's going through a whole new set of development, you know, probably want to stay closer to uh, the nine or ten hours. Um, but yeah, I mean, we shouldn't be, Adults should be sleeping for seven to eight hours consistently, and then making sure minimum we're getting, you know, those four hours before we go to sleep, which looks like, you know, having dinner at five, six o'clock, not eating after dinner, going to bed at 10, 30, right? Then waking up, um, if you're waking up at six, seven o'clock, that still gives you the freedom to have breakfast around you know, eight, eight 30 before you leave for work. Um, and you're still going to get, if you stop eating at six, six 30 and start eating at eight, eight, that's still four, that's 14 hours,
3: mm-hmm.
0: but 12 hours is essential to have a 12 hour window and doing it where it lines up with sleep because your body is right filtering and detoxifying and regenerating and doing so many things during sleep, you're just going to make sleep better if it's also not sharing its processes with digestion. And a lot of people are eating too late and then they wake up and they're not hungry and they start their day uh, with something, maybe coffee, maybe coffee and collagen. And then it just, it, your body's still going to need the nutrition. So then you're still hungry and you're trying to get your calories in at night. And then that again, starts the same cycle over again, where you wake up, you're not hungry, because you never really fully digested what was in your system to begin with. And now you've asked your body to be in both detox and digestion
1: at the same time. And so it does neither one. um, So our bodies were um, made for the rhythm, the natural rhythms, right? So this it was created to work that way with working during the light with digestion and all the things. And then as Laura said at night, we're specifically created to be detoxing, repairing, getting rid of dead and damaged cells. Um, and water is totally okay to be drinking during these times, herbal teas or black coffee, um, because they're not going to interrupt the processes, but, um, Yeah, it's all about the rhythms that we were initially created for. Our hormones follow those rhythms. So it's not uh, this one specific science of intermittent fasting. It goes along with everything that we're supposed to, how our body's supposed to work.
0: It goes along with our biology, right? It goes along with the laws of nature that we were, you know, and and to me, the melatonin is a perfect example of why that's a built-in part of the way our bodies are supposed to run and you know as we age other things become more critical to us in terms of using that downtime as much as we can right dementia alzheimers part of that is um there's different sub diagnoses to that but one of them is a sleep disorder and so if you're not cleaning out your brain during sleep um, and antagonizing it with poor quality food excitotoxins and things of that nature during the day you you never get so i mean we want to look good you know we want to feel good we want our weight to be where it is but sometimes there's bigger things at stake if we're not having all the pieces line up for us and so again, as we age, it's it's making sure that we're minimizing our risk factors for long-term things that can,
2: can show up. So I've never heard this as um, applied to conditions like Alzheimer's or dementia. And are you saying that those kinds of things can be uh, either you're just getting in better health so you're less inclined to get those things or that, that it can actually help prevent it or is it the inflammation that causes those kinds of things to happen? And when you eat this way, you reduce the inflammation and so that's what is making the difference.
0: Yes, 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 and yes. Yeah, I was just going to say all of it. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, So the more that Alzheimer's is understood from a functional perspective, and Heather can contribute to this too, there's different like sub-diagnoses. So there's vascular dementia, which is inflammation, right, in the vascular system. There's type 3 diabetes, which really is going to be diet. Um there are environmental toxins, um, which is going to then go back to your detox pathways. Um, the sleep component, to me, one of the coolest things that happens during sleep is our brain actually shrinks. Like it actually, like a sponge goes. And um, inflammation like toxins that have kind of got, it's literally like squeezing the sponge. It's like the toxins come out and through the cerebral spinal fluid, they exit and leave the body through our systems of elimination. So it goes hand in hand with being able to like uh, pee and, and and have a daily bowel movement and really clean out your pipes with that daily bowel movement. That kind of is part of that whole making sure your detox system is working correctly. Um, the burden that we place on our body on a daily basis is become very difficult for us to keep up with. So in the study of genomics, the risk factors, it started with two risk factors for Alzheimer's. It's up to like 25 or something like that. We're all at risk for this. And as we subtype it and we learn Uh, So within genetic risk, at most 30% is where genetic risk lies. 70% is epigenetics, which is the environment we put the cell in. And then the collision of that becomes anything, right? So um, allowing sleep, maximizing sleep and detox is a combination of the burden we place on it to do on a daily basis and the ability to get that quality sleep, alcohol, caffeine, they interfere in the quality of sleep.
3: Yeah.
0: So they can keep us from having, going into REM. And so there's just all kinds of components to this, which is why we started with going, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, Heather can, can weigh in on this now and share from her perspective.
1: Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add. I mean, we there's so many reasons that dementia happens, like Laura already said. And um, so minimizing our risk um, factors is what we can do, just like minimizing our risk factors for developing heart disease or cancer. Like there are genetic components, but those are not the determinants, generally speaking. So we keep our blood pressure and our blood sugars healthy and that reduces our risk for heart disease and cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, yeah, and as far as the brain goes, everything Laura said, and so if we're digesting back to the met- metabolic thing, if we're digesting while we're supposed to be cleaning out, then that's where the interference comes in yeah. and then it's not maximized. Our ability to clean out and detox isn't maximized due to the things that are happening that shouldn't be happening at that time, like not restful sleep, sleep apnea, and food.
0: And, you know, things like vascular and blood pressure and breathing, I mean, it's all going to influence our quality of sleep too. How much stress is the body under? This has kind of been my my big thing this year, talking about stress in new ways where people understand it. We have such a narrow view of stress, but stress in, in the body is excess, anything in excess. So it can be an excess of not enough sleep, <laughs> or it can be an excess of eating too much sugar. Uh, it can be an excess of sedentary. At the same time, it can be an excess of like too much. too much exercise, right? And when that's appropriate to uh, pull back on it. But stress is physical mental, emotional, sensory. And when you think about excess in those four arenas, sensory, we're always on sensory overload, right? Toxins alone, we're exposed to 600 more toxins than previous generations were. The burden on uh, consuming an antioxidant like glutathione, we just can't even keep it in reserve enough. Like 99.9% of people that are tests for glutathione are deficient, because we just can't keep up. And so, you know, it's one of my like five super supplements I recommend. Um, it's the big one in anti-aging, because it's the, it's the the general of detoxification. And, you know, people are like, well, you know, they want to take zinc because of COVID. Well, zinc only works with bacterial, it doesn't work with viral, COVID's a viral. Infection, It's necessary in any kind of upper respiratory to help, but um, glutathione is the master that doesn't care if it's a virus or bacteria or anything. So um, there are things that we need to do as part of a, uh, like thinking about metabolism, which I didn't expect us to do this, but it, it, it's a bigger conversation towards aging. And how do we age? so that we're supporting ourselves in a way where metabolically all these systems are working optimally. So like we're looking at histamines right now is a huge component in blood pressure management. It's kind of a new uh, functional discovery I've made, if you will, and trying to, because every condition is a message from the body, right? It's, What is trouble sleeping telling us? What is not having a bowel movement telling us? What is congestion telling us? Because the body is trying to send messages. And it's just a question of what does the message tell us? What does the hormone imbalance tell us uh, about the gut or diet and lifestyle? What are the adrenals telling us? So that we can, in the world of education, you know, health education to helping people optimize their health. It's all about helping people understand their body systemically. And to understand your body metabolically, you have to understand your body systemically and to understand your body metabolically. You have to understand the messages and where your involvement is. And it's not just in what you're eating, right? It's in when you're eating, it's, how much of one thing you have to do to compensate for another, right? Is there a supplement we should be taking? Is there um, minimizing toxins somewhere else to offset the load? Uh, Like I make sure all my makeup is clean. Like the last thing I wanna do is not, is the things I have control over, right? I wanna give myself the most amount of room (laughs) to carry the most amount of toxins as i age which means if i'm going to you know want i mean right now it's the new year so i'm all on my cleanse right now and but if i want the flexibility of eating a little bit off my plan i don't want it to be i don't want to be hovering at the edge of the cliff and i fall off i want to be far enough away from the cliff so that if i you know do a little holiday eating i don't you know it's not adding gasoline to an existing fire. But the body's meant to go into um, nutrition and and fasting. Like it's meant to go in and out of the system of nourishing and, and, and fasting. You had a question.
2: So you just gave a longer explanation, a really good explanation for, and I just wanted to see what it was you said. is having how much of one thing is compensating for another? How did you say that?
0: Yeah. So imagine, um, so we either want to constantly work towards neutralizing inflammation um, Mm -hmm. or work towards minimizing toxins to give us more flexibility, right? So things we can't always escape is herbicides and pesticides, Mm -hmm. right? But... And glutathione helps clear that out of the body. Eating organically 100% of the time means we're isolated from social interactions that have to do with food, right? So say we want the flexibility around not eating 100% organic so that we can socialize. Well, where can I remove the toxic load, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a couple different ways to think about it. One is... Like, I think about when I'm going to go on vacation and I want to loosen the restrictions, I'm really good maybe a week or two weeks before that. Like, I'm not doing any of whatever, right? I'm in like a fasting protocol, if you will, because, again, I want to put myself as far away from the cliff as possible. So when I go on vacation, I have more flexibility. So it's being intentional and mindful with the way that our body carries toxins and inflammation. So one way that I think about it is, is that is preparing to off-road. I like that word better than cheating because cheating has such a negative connotation to it. And we all need the flexibility for balance and off-roading, but it also is on a daily basis looking for where are the toxins and where do I have some control over it. For me, clean makeup is like no effort whatsoever. Um, and that means because we ingest 60 some odd percent of what comes on our um, skin. It's, our, our skin is an ingestible organ. It's called transdermal application. And uh, so anything with chemicals... And I try to teach my daughters with that as well. It's like, okay, well, you know, if you don't want you, I'll let you have your mascara. <laughs> like, but please make your foundation like, you know, as clean as possible. Lips. Mm-hmm. Um, I think barium is the chemical and commercial lipsticks that's been linked to breast cancer. They say that on average, women consume about five pounds of lipstick in like a few years because it's just easy to put it on and then we eat, we lick our lips, we whatever, we drink water. Um, so being intentional like that, you know, means that I might have a little bit more flexibility. Exercise, right? It's like, okay, well, it's winter. I want to eat a little bit more carbs. I'm doing low histamine right now. I increase my exercise immediately because I want to keep my insulin in the same place that it's in. And so it's really too about like, if I'm not going to, if the winter, if you're really shut in and you can't exercise, I mean, I'll walk in place and I have to, you know, do sit-ups in front of the TV, but there's, you have to know where to shift things Mm
2: -hmm.
0: so that you're constantly um, working within the, your phase of life that you're in working within the toxic load and how much inflammation you're already carrying. And, you know, just kind of trying to balance those scales. I I kind of think about it as this imaginary backpack we're all carrying around and each stressor excess inflammation is a brick we put in there. Uh, And so how do you, you know, manage that? I do know that when I work longer hours, I, the mental energy I put out is greater. So the stress, I love my job. I don't consider it stress in the typical sense, but the burden on that. So on a day like that, I'm. that's not where I'm going to go out to dinner with friends. It's where I'm going to eat really clean and get more sleep and make sure I'm drinking water because I'm trying to offset the load I'm carrying. Does that answer your question? yeah more to think about
2: (laughs) well you just hit a button for me which is the workload so for a long time my work has been what has it has been the de-stressor probably from the rest of life it has been the thing that helped me offload some of those bricks but that's transitioned yeah so it's Anyway, it's just amazing to me that, um, I guess how applicable that is. And I can see, I just reduced my hours <laughs> um, working because I'm so tired, but yet it seems like like it's work has always invigorated me, but it doesn't necessarily always invigorate me anymore. And makes me think that what you said is that I was probably stressing my body and didn't even know it.
0: Yeah. I mean, like I said, I didn't think when we started this that we would be talking in terms of being metabolically fit as being systemically fit, right? And all the pieces that go into being healthy and optimizing our health. But I mean, really, when you talk to anybody who is really pro-functional, you're eventually going to be talking about the system. I mean, just... Stuff gets harder as we get older. And there's this expectation for us to be constantly producing results, right? Producing results, producing results.
2: There's uh, pressure to age so well. (laughs) You look so good. You have so much energy, which I want, but.
0: I mean, in this country, aging is. Is a um, not honorable. It's not honorable. Thank you. It's not. And when I read about other cultures and how they view aging and how they treat women in the aging process, it is mind blowing. If there's anything you want to do for your health and wellness, look into that. It's truly fascinating that, that we are so stuck on results and we value youth as a virtue. And a commodity to be acquired, and I—all you have to do is spend a few times, watch a few few minutes watching twenty-something year olds on a reality show, and go, I don't wish I was ever there again. Right? <laughs> you know, uh, I I love the wisdom and the knowledge I've acquired, but at the same time, I'd like to make sure that my quality of life is within that I am optimizing and doing everything I can to make the most out of it so that I can go I did my best the pursuit of excellence instead of perfection right perfectionism is a disorder it's the pursuit of excellence to make sure that I'm always beating each decade with grace and going okay this is the time that I shift and yeah. it's sometimes not easy to do i think food is the thing culturally that everyone looks away when we um we do it poorly like it's and and we're even moving away from being able to have healthy conversations about it because we we we're supposed to be supporting people's image and i'm all about people loving themselves but i'm also about people caring for themselves and if we stop talking about food and nutrition and lifestyle and all this is being to the detriment of our health, we're not serving younger generations. We need to accept each other, but we need to have honest
3: conversations
0: and we're losing the ability
3: to have that. Uh, A statement you made that I wrote down that made me think, our quality of life should be appropriate for this age. Yeah. Yes, My quality of life isn't what it was when I was in my 20s and 30s. but it needs to be appropriate for yeah. where I am now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I covet my sleep now. Mm-hmm. I am, you know, very adamant that to my children, I gave up enough sleep <laughs> raising three kids. Right. Any mom can attest to the, all the sleep that we were deprived of, um, all the nutrients that left our body if we nursed, uh, if we were pregnant. Right. All the things that that we gave up. Um and it is our time
3: to really n- nurture ourselves, right? And I, one thing that my husband and I have done for family dinners is like, no, we're not eating at eight o'clock. That's right. We're exactly. Your dad and I can't, can't do that anymore. Yes. Oh or, or your dad and I will eat and then y'all can come warm it up <laughs> later. Yes. Yes. But, uh,
0: that was a shift I had to do in my family. My kids are athletes, dancers, and family dinner time was hugely important. And right around the time I turned 50, it's like, I can't, I can't eat this way anymore. And started doing the, you know, uh, warm it up. I'll sit down with you, have a cup of tea or just sit with you and have water and, you know, approach it differently.
3: But yeah, it is. Yeah, right. I light is not appropriate for me
0: now. Right. And the expectation that we should fit into this standard. I tell people when they're working with a personal trainer, when they go online with social media, if that personal trainer is in their 20s, like you can't listen to their nutritional advice for somebody that is in menopause. They don't understand it. And what works for a 20-year-old might work for a 30-something-year-old. It's not going to work for somebody in their 40s definitely not in their fifties. And we want to make sure that anything that we're doing doesn't become stress, doesn't become excess.
2: Uh, I don't know if the primary purpose of this had to do with, um, you keep, you've said several times, uh, systemic versus metabolic. And so the metabolic piece is this fasting kind of thing, right? The, what you eat and when you eat.
0: Yeah, yeah. You could say that to optimize your metabolism, there's four pieces to it. What Mm -hmm. and when you eat, exercise, sleep. Mm -hmm. What, when, sleep, exercise, four. There's four pieces to being metabolically fit.
2: Would you say them again?
0: The what you eat, when you eat, sleep, and exercise. Okay. But I'm going to also say that what you eat has to do with whether or not you need supplements and then, you know, that's a little bit of a bigger picture. But the difference between and kind of where I started with the difference between clean versus metabolic is. Like oatmeal is clean, it may not metabolize because it's a high carb, right? It's not going to burn as efficiently. So. Things in, like, the world of animal proteins, in general, it's just a generalization to help uh, just bring a point. The larger the animal, the longer it takes to digest. So eating pork isn't the same metabolically as eating fish.
2: Oh, yeah.
3: Oh. Yeah.
0: And it's why some people... Can do fine on a high protein diet, but it's also why some people don't. Because in after a certain period of time, in order to get the variety at a high protein, if somebody started out not eating red meat but then they added it, then they can slow down or taper off, or right. There's all kinds of ways that we we're so about. Comfort and our own gratification in the cult in the culture we live in—we're all victim to it. I'm victim to it too, and and so like doing something for a period of time can we can lose interest in it really quickly, and every time there's progress on a diet out there, it doesn't take long before it enters the grocery store into some kind of um legal version of it, right? Like when I first started uh, years ago if you took people off gluten they they lost weight they got better it was the only processed carb out there and then gluten free hit the market right and then we became grain free and then all these like grain free products came out and then we did pay the uh, whole 30 right you, you, you can see what's trended through the years nutritionally based on how it's entered processed food. And now we're at keto because we've got all these paleo-legal (laughs) grain-free processed food out there. And now I think, I do think I'm really seeing how histamines plays a part in this because this is what's happened now. This is where we're at because we've all done these things to try and keep ourselves entertained with food and keep ourselves compliant, but we're breaking the laws of nature all the time and then there's consequences to pay. And again, we all pay them. We just have to decide how much we wanna pay and for how long, but it's it's all our choice, right?
2: (laughs) Well. That gives me too much responsibility. I just can't handle that responsibility.
0: I tell, I tell <laughs> I'll tell you. Mm. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I I love how Heather, I'm going to ask her to jump in here. I love how she talks about exercise and insulin. And so I'm going to ask her to share that piece um, about the muscles and um, carbs and things like that. Because she does a really excellent job about that. And I think it's a great... You know, because I just, we talked about the when, and I now just talked about the what. Um We've talked a lot about sleep, and so we'll talk about exercise some.
1: So I really appreciated your comment about that gives me too much responsibility. First, I'll make this comment. And it's really true how hard it is to choose foods that are work made to have, that follow the laws of nature, eating in the season, eating whole real food, it's difficult here um, to do that because we're surrounded with everything else and everyone else is eating all of the unnatural foods. And it just is very, very hard. Even so the more like our goal is just to keep educating and helping people understand why they need to make the hard choices that they, or why it would benefit them. Um, because it's just really difficult. Like my kids are trying to like eat healthy for one month after Christmas holiday. And they're just surrounded by junk all the time, everywhere, every instance, every activity is just full of junk. And it's, it's really our country has allowed us to be, and I'm just helping you to be aware. I just feel like maybe if people could be aware that the reality is in our country, we've allowed Big Food to make the decisions. And so everything around us is not good for us for the most part. And making the decisions is really hard. And just recognizing that reality of our culture maybe will empower us a little bit more um, and being more educated about what the um, junk food or processed foods, whatever we want to call it, is doing to our bodies when we put it in our mouth. Maybe that will give us a little bit more power to make the choices, but it's really difficult to, to make the choices because everywhere you go, it's not easy. The easy thing is the easy thing that put us where we are. Um, Okay, so exercise and metabolism. So one of the pieces I was thinking when I came in, I was a little interrupted, and then I came in and heard you talk about maybe cheating or off-roading. And so the more muscle mass we have, the easier it is to have little instant hiccups, maybe you would Mm -hmm. call them, because our muscles are burning making our metabolism faster they make our bodies more sensitive to insulin insulin resistance is where we have high levels of insulin in our bodies most people in america the majority i don't know what the percent is have insulin resistance because we just eat too many carbs or too frequently and so we re- we release insulin over our pancreas and then our cells just get numb to it just like if you were doing something over and over again, like you you would get tired of it, you would get numb to it, our cells are numb to the insulin because of the excess, and they're not allowing it to work. So then that's another reason why we feel hungry all the time, because the glucose is not getting into the cells where it needs to be to energize the cell, because the insulin receptor is broken or numb to the insulin so that's what insulin resistance is muscle work resistance training whether you're using weights or bands but it actually has to work your muscles increases insulin um sensitivity and that will improve your me- metabolism the less sugar we have floating around in our bloodstreams the better metabolism is going to be sugar and insulin just put on fat like sugar excess sugar is stored as fat x insulin is a fat storage hormone it also creates inflammation every time it comes out of your pancreas so um having muscles the muscles use up the glucose like if we're working out with resistance then those muscles that we're working will be using the blood sugar that's floating around your bloodstream which is a good thing um because we don't want excess sugar floating around it damages our blood vessels damages our brain our kidneys everything so um that's why muscle work, even though I, I just started believing in it in the last five years or so, I used to be like, ah, who wants to do weights? Like cardio is so much more better because you have know, this high and everything, but it really changes your body composition. It really changes the density of your bones. If you're thinking about the future and really changes your metabolism. So you're burning more energy while you're sitting still. Hopefully we don't sit still all day long um but yeah have more muscles better metabolism better blood sugars better insulin sensitivity better brain health
0: and it's it it all works together too right because the quality of your food is going to give you a good sustained energy to exercise too right i mean uh and 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 allow you to be less inflamed and then less prone to injury I mean, as we get older, we have to be concerned about, you know, injuring ourselves and um, and working with someone that understands how to, you know, in- increase uh, resistance and weight as you get older. But you can start small and it doesn't even have to be. It It's about making sure you're just out of your comfort zone, right? Like, even if it's running for 10 more minutes or doing 10 more reps or five more reps or reaching for the higher weight and just doing it one time. Like it's, it's, you can do it with baby steps because there's, you know, uh, again, the time of our life and what needs to be, I mean, there's a, I saw this new thing about chair yoga versus especially for abs versus that that thing in the weight room where you like oh. have to hold your upper body up right like you can get so much inflammation in your shoulders doing that thing but the they're even saying the results are better in the chair so i mean it doesn't have to be fancy um and it, it doesn't have to be in excess it just has to be moving you towards the goal and if If your body composition isn't motivating enough for you, uh, think about something else that might help you own that much more discipline
1: this year, whether it's your brain health. Or balance, reducing falls, increasing bone density for thinking about our future. We really need that. And also reducing injury by having the muscle stability around our joints whether it's stepping off curb and hurting your ankle, getting out of your car and hurting your knee, like the more um, muscle stability we have around our joints, then the more functional we're going to be in life. The more we can get our suitcase down off the airplane or out of the attic or whatever, you know, functional yeah. and then balance for the future. We don't want to be falling in our shower, which is a real, you know, it's real those real
2: life things so it is um, real i fell just fell in the garage and couldn't pull myself up and i broke my ribs and i was walking oh, on the, the well it's been a couple years, three this years read that? no this was uh like five years ago and then oh, okay. the, next, the i think it was the next year i uh i was on the way to a wedding and the sidewalks on yeah. old town portland were crooked yeah. and i fell and I broke both my arms
3: <laughs> yeah. okay. Wow.
2: So i I'm like I'm so yeah just saying yeah this is like yeah. very real and mm-hmm. yeah there's um th- there's
0: a great documentary on netflix called game changer um oh. Yeah, uh, be careful with documentaries that take a hardcore position against (laughs) a particular food. So I just want to say that disclaimer, because they're really promoting veganism. Mm -hmm. And I I don't promote that. That's a fasting protocol. But the most interesting thing was when they studied Roman gladiators, and they thought from, a, a, I guess it would be like an anthropological study. Um, I mean, this is how paleo came to be is because an anthropologist looked at paleolithic man and said, oh, no illness and disease existed. <laughs> and that must be the diet, right? But um, in, in, with Roman gladiators, they expected them to be um, meat eaters, to be carnivores. And uh, it turned out that they were vegan because the vegetables were the luxury commodity of the day. And in order to improve muscle integrity, Hmm. um, they gave them fruits and vegetables. And what wound up happening is that they were able to discover the bone density on these guys was amazing. And so it's brought this whole conversation about what is bone density. And it's not just about calcium or vitamin D or vitamin K for D for calcium. It's really about... Um, the integrity of our muscles, our joints, and our bones based on all the nutrients that they require that they require and that we get from foods of color and the sunshine things like blueberries, right? Uh, they they reduce brain plaque to go back to the. It's even being studied in the Center for Age Related Diseases, right? We get plaque on our brain just like we do on our teeth, and what are we doing for that, right? I mean, we want to do things like, uh, you know, all those brain exercises to stimulate synapses, and we want to sleep, but, you know, the importance of like food for ourselves as we age, and all those foods that help us age, metabolize really fast and efficient the body wants to get them right where they need to be really fast Your dark leafy greens your dark berries you're rich in orange uh, all those foods highly alkaline cancer cells have a much harder time replicating in a slightly alkaline environment and all alkaline foods are the fastest metabolizers. They're used by the body much more efficiently than anything on the acidic side. So it's another way of like fundamentally looking at how
1: our body fits into
0: the laws of nature.
1: Right. <laughs> and sugar and carbs increase acidity in our bodies, not just citrus and tomatoes.
3: Oh, yeah, no,
0: No, because like lemons and they're highly alkaline. They may have acid in them, but the effect on our blood is alkaline. Acids are most grains, chemicals, alcohol, sugar. sugar, uh, Even animal protein is on the acidic side. So it's again, how do we maximize any amount of animal protein we do? Cause you look at the acidic side and the only thing that really has any nutritional value are the animal proteins. Excuse
2: so.
3: Okay. So if I really wanted to. Um, I always thought eating clean was good, but what should I be researching for the best way to eat? Okay. So what are you trying to achieve? Well, for one thing lately, uh, my acid reflux has been horrible. Okay. So, um, for the last week, I've pretty well, you know, cut out spicy stuff. Um, Okay. You know, uh, I I don't eat much bread anyway, Uh, or or carbs. I mean.
0: So, I would suggest you blend. A low to moderate histamine with an alkaline, heavy on the alkaline side. Mm-hmm. So I can give you both handouts. You can kind of look at it. So when you organize the elimination of high and very high histamines and you're moderate in the medium, then you need to organize your plate where you have mo- more alkaline than, uh, than acid on there
3: like sometimes
0: I'm reserving that one thing on my plate for either a protein or a, a low, um, or an alkaline grain. And the rest of it is like lots of color, um, trying to get both green and either an orange or red in it so that I'm maximizing the nutrient density, maybe even sometimes three, like, um, uh, a, a kind of a salad or a raw with a cooked uh, and then another one. So okay. like it might be like, you know, a little bit of sweet potato cut up apple and some sauteed spinach or cabbage or okay. or sliced cucumber and blueberries and squash and salmon. like just looking for because it's it's, again, going back to what we eat, we wanna make sure we're not just taking things out to put things in, right? Our bones depend on it, our brain depends on it, our hormones depend on it. I mean, vascular, I mean, everything depends on it. It all kind of depends on it, you know? Looking at numbers kind of helps you go, is this working for me? Or paying attention to your symptoms, what your body's telling you. With increased reflux, your body is saying, what I'm putting in my stomach doesn't work for me anymore. And so you're paying attention to it, and that's awesome. If you know uh, cholesterol is high, or A1C is high, or insulin is high, it's telling you stuff. Um, sugar, when it was first, the history of sugar is super interesting. It was known to be a drug when it was first discovered, and it was used in the history of slaves and warfare. And we don't understand that the A1C is measuring the how sticky. Sugar has made our blood, uh, you know, and 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 what is happening to us when visceral fat kind of comes on the on uh, on the scene, and how that will suck hormones out of being used correctly, and um, can affect adrenals, testosterone, yeah. you know, and then create a loop, right? Where we then get stuck it's It's always kind of interesting to me going, what came first? <laughs> this imbalance or this imbalance because it, it all gets so connected together. But I think that when I look at country cultures or countries that have longevity associated with them, the research wants to weigh in on one thing or two things, right? And, and it doesn't look at all the pieces together, like the blue zone. It's like nobody's talking about the fact that most of these people, most of the lifestyle is on islands where there's a different pace of life. There's a different way of looking at stress. Um, everybody wants to think that the French have some kind of excuse because they can drink wine and eat bread and cheese. There's food police that governs the freshness of their food. And the more I learn about histamines, the more that that's a huge problem for many of us. And that doesn't exist. Um, They eat their protein at lunch and spend two hours having that meal. They teach preschoolers for a four course meal. It's a part of their culture that they learn how to do vegetables and fruit. It's, brought in so there's so many different things when we want to just go oh um, the japanese culture are eating this or the french are doing this and they get away with it or the blue zone is not eating meat there's a bigger conversation about what they're eating what they're not eating the freshness of it this the lifestyle around it their sleep their um their stress all of it So one of the things that I use a lot of that I think is under, um, undervalued is I grind uh, pink salt. Um, And so I mostly use salt and pepper, but the reason that I'll use it in the cooking is it does something in, in culinary arts, they talk about it rendering, like it pulls the flavor to the surface. Mm -hmm. So it does something with the natural sugars Mm -hmm. in so like the difference between just sauteing green beans in olive oil versus sauteing it while you're using like a fresh salt and a fresh pepper is really different. Um, uh, I don't normally do oatmeal. I, mm-hmm. I actually used to find that oatmeal bothered my stomach quite a bit, but I'm doing low histamine right now. And in order to... um kind of be on a a moderate protein. And there's a lot of proteins that are, and this is just something I'm doing for like 30 days and I'm probably then going to incorporate differently. But I'm only doing steel cut. I'm like extra boiling it. I'm only using salt with it. And then I'm only using a touch of maple syrup. And I'm really surprised at how easier it is for me to digest it when it was a problem before. But I'm always making sure I'm doing some kind of color with it. And I'm making sure, again, that my exercise is increased to deal with that. Because I'll know uh, with my weight, like how my pants fit, how my sleep, mm-hmm. uh, what my blood pressure is doing, all that if something's working for me or not working for me. But making sure I'm cutting up an apple with it. Um, sometimes I'm, I'm doing some carrot sticks with it. Sometimes I'm doing uh, blackberries with it. But that also might be my one thing for the day. I mean, oatmeal is tricky because it will stimulate appetite. So a lot of people that do oatmeal in the morning have a hard time, Mm -hmm. but this is what needs to happen for me right now with what the issues I'm having, but um, you just kind of have to listen to your body. If, you know, if something is, I, I think clearing the histamines out of the way actually made more room for me to process something that i wasn't processing before and now when i look back on it i'm like okay was it really the rice bothering me or did i have rice every time i had fish and it was really the fish that was bothering me? like it's you know kind of figuring some of that out um
3: so well i'm finding my choices for lunch and dinner are easier like last night we had salmon and green beans uh, um, well. I fixed mac and cheese for my husband. Um, and lunch, I can do turkey and raw vegetables and stuff like that. But but breakfast is my, is a hard choice for me. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing oatmeal because of the reflux.
0: Okay, so you need
3: to think about this.
0: The word breakfast is break fast. fast. That's
3: all it means.
0: Mm-hmm. And in this country, we have some sort of weird cuisine that We call breakfast. That's required. Um, and it's yeah. so
3: carb-heavy. Breakfast menu. Yeah.
0: yeah. Breakfast. It's not breaking the fast. Because really, when we break the fast, we have a window to really open up our digestive system and flush our system even more than before. Um, a warm lemon water sometimes is really good for that. But um look at what other countries do for and and see if any of that appeals to you i do know that sometimes ancestral food like i know for me mediterranean is definitely a better fit than other things i every time i want to experiment with some kind of asian cuisine i'm not it's not a fit for me um and there's so there's something i think that imprints on our genetics with our ancestry we're multiple generations into digesting similar foods i mean they talk about asians have a their pancreas is like 40 percent more efficient or something like that i don't quote me on that but there's something about that culture that was eating rice and soy for multiple generations and that their bodies adapted to that Um, because it's more than just a generation or two it's Mm Like right like it's it's built into their biology because that's their environment too right so get away from thinking about american breakfast foods Mm -hmm. and start thinking about it just as breaking the fast um sometimes i love starting the day especially in this warmer weather with soup i'll make homemade soups homemade broths and just a nice easy gentle vegetable soup Maybe with some egg in it, like an egg drop, with some vegetables. Sometimes I do that. Okay. Well, that was so much fun, and I hope you enjoyed that. Join us again for another episode of Health Matters. I'm your host, Laura Kopek. For more information about me, please go to my website, laurakopek.com, or my practice at Kopek Functional Wellness. Thanks, and have a great day.